0: All right, are y'all ready for the word? All right, we got three people. Anybody else ready for the word? All right, now I I gotta do a disclaimer. My sermon today is called Works Not a Four-Letter Word. And I know you're thinking, W-O-R-K. Yes, it is. All right, the rest of you, you'll figure it out. In the last month, last over a month, the Lord started dealing with me Last, last week we preached on be a doer of the word of God. I'm going to preach another sermon today on, on obey. You know, we found out last week, faith is obedience. That's what it is. And we're going to talk about working for God. We're going to talk about more about being a doer of the word of God. Let me, let me say something to you about the nation we're living in right now, the United States of America. We're in a mess. America is in a mess. And I'm going to tell you why we're in a mess. It is the preacher's fault. It's my fault. If this church gets in a mess, it's my fault. It's not yours. Because I have a book up here. I can preach anything I want to out of it. There are things that American churches must start preaching. If we want to see America change. We need a move of God, and we're not going to have one the way we're going at it right now. Things are going to have to make, we're going to have to make some adjustments. Now, because of that, that's corrective in nature, not harsh, not hard, but corrective. Um, I like preaching how much God loves you. I love it. It's why I wanted to be an evangelist, because you get to preach good news all the time, and then leave. But, um, but, we're gonna, but, but, um, but the Lord's been dealing with me so so much so that the anointing on me is very strong. And I, I have times when I'm praying and praying and praying and I'm not getting anything from God because I'm not on the same page with him. Whenever I'm in my, I ha- in my soul, I sometimes will disagree with God on what he wants me to preach. But when I have a peace come on me, I know to forget what I'm thinking. And that's happening to me right now. Um, He's dealing with me right now to get, number one, me in shape. Not you, me. Number two, you. Number three, this nation. Because the church, what we're going through, and I'm going to read this to you, I'm going to say something to you, and I don't want you to become afraid. What you're watching is going to get worse. Okay, I said that, and I'll explain that in a minute. Let's read in 2 Timothy 3, one. Know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Now, I I read that and I want to say something to you right now and I'm because we've got this idea that the way it's going it'll always be this way but but Art and Crystal know this. Many of you in here know this. Tw- 15 20 years ago things were very different than they are right now. And we and you know I told people 5 years ago I started preaching on the authority of the believer and I got in this pulpit and I said, "Things are going to change." And y'all look at me like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Well, they're changing. I was right, and I'm right again, and and, and I'm not trying to put a damper on anything. I'm just telling you that when you get on an airplane and they say, put your mask on first, you put yours on first. Don't worry about what's going on in the world right now. You get your mask on. You get you straight. You get you where you need to be. The rest of it will take care of itself. God's got this, but he's got to have us cooperating with him. Now, I want you to believe God with me. I am believing for a mighty move of God in this church and in this nation. And I'll live to see it, but not without us making some changes and adjustments. So here's my question. Are y'all ready to make some changes? In the last several weeks, God has been dealing with me to make adjustments in my life and I've been doing what he's asking me to do. I'll go over a few of those adjustments and ask you to make them with me. And and they're and they're not hard. They're they're actually quite quite easy. Very simple and fun. So anyway, let me finish reading this. Know this in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of, um, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, love, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God have a form of godliness, but denying its power from such people, turn away. Don't run around with people like that. The word having a form of godliness literally in the Greek reads, they do not believe that the gospel will change them. That's what, they go to church, but they don't believe that the word will change them. Those people leave them alone. All right, there, there's a lot of different brands of Christians on the earth. I'm not in particular, I, I joke with y'all and say, hey, is this a Baptist church? Catholic? The reason I do that is I'm not picking on the Baptists and Catholics. It's because a charismatic church is a church full of denominational people. That's what we are. I mean, we're Catholics, we're Baptists, we're Nazarenes, we're heathen, whatever, when we walked in here. So this is not, in a sense, a Baptist church, a Nazarene church, or a Catholic church. We're just a hodgepodge. And so, so I make jokes about it. I'm not picking on your favorite church. You left <laughs> because you wanted more of God. Second Timothy chapter four, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Stop right there. I'm going to make some statements today and I want you to pay very, very, very close attention to me. There is a thing called a great white throne judgment. You will not be there. That's for the sinner. That's where the sinner gets to stand before God and give an account of his life. Because they want to be judged for what they did. He's going to let you do it. You know, Nobody's going to make it, but he's going to let you do it. We won't be there. But there is a judgment seat of Christ. There is a Bama seat. There's a, there is a time coming when every one of us that are sitting in this room right now will give an account to God for your life. Now, is that scary? All right, let me ask you another question. How many of you, when you were in school, goofed off? How many of you hated test day? I I did too. Honestly. Now, I was smart enough to pass just by sitting in class. But when I got home, my parents did not make me do anything. I, I got my 22 and I left the house. And I don't know if I ever remember turning homework in. I, I can't remember turning homework in. And I, I mean, I made it because I'm a pretty smart fellow. But I hated test day because I didn't know the answers. There is a way to love test. Study. It's not really that hard, is it, Karen? All right. If you're bothered by having to stand before Jesus, well, then change. (laughs) Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. And you you know what? The good news is you got time. Now, I'm going to say this about me because I know you don't mind me talking about me. I've had things lately the Lord's been dealing with me that, that he wanted me to change. And I know that I've got to give an account of him one day for this church. I've got to answer for the way I treated you. I've got to answer for what I preached. I've got to answer the way I treated my wife. I've got to answer to God what I did with the money that you put in the offering plate. I got to stand before God. And let me tell you all something. A preacher comes under a stricter judgment now and then than anybody else. So it's tougher on me than it is you. So naturally, when there's things that I'm not doing, I want to know. Because I want that to be a good meeting. Do you? I want it to be a good meeting for you. But I want you to be aware that that's so. Whenever the IRS calls you and says, bring an accountant, they want to look at the books. There is a book in heaven. Now, Now, let's think for a minute. Have you ever read in the Old Testament the book of Kings and Chronicles? Do you know what the Chronicles are? It's a chronology Of each individual, each king's life. This king lived for God, this one did not. This one started good, didn't end up too good. This one started bad and ended up well. There is a book in heaven that's written about you. Everything you do, everything you didn't do, your prayer life's in there, your tithe records in there, the way you treated your husband and wife is in there, the way you lived your life, it's all in the book. And you say, I don't want anybody to know about it. Well, then you want to change because everybody's going to know about it. Everybody's going, whoa, we could go home right now. We've just had a move, you know. Are you all out there? This is something that you need to think about because what happens is it gets you over being lax. Let me tell you something. I love policemen because... If it wasn't for police, I'd speed everywhere. I, I'm just honest. I can't stand people coming from up north that are on vacation doing 45 and a 50 in the left lane. I can't, I'm like, get over, go to the, the filming station and get off the road. and so I, that's just me. I'm just telling you my sins. But I love policemen because I hate share revenue coupons more. <laughs> I can't stand giving them a, a bonus for Christmas. I want them to have one, but I don't want it to come from me. So I'm going to tell you all this. There's two motorcycle cops that sit up on Lester during the day. And it's 35 miles an hour up there, guys. And if you go by faster, they kind of wave at you. Pull on over here. We want to have a talk with you, and I love it when I go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, because I've slowed down in my older age, but but I have noticed occasionally my speedometer says I'm doing 45, and I think 46 might get me a share of revenue. You know, so so I'm kind of watching that, and I've kind of got it in my brain. Don't speed down, Lester. Now I hadn't got it in my brain everywhere, but on Lester, I don't speed. <laughs> Talking to you about. Judgment is good because it curbs you. It causes you to go, "Nah, I ain't doing that. I I, I want to, I ain't doing that. I know better than that. And it helps me, it helps you, doesn't it? We're all going to stand before the Bama Seat of Christ. We're all going to give an account of our life. It says, preach the word, all of it, not some of it. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince Rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And according to their own desires, they have itching ears, they will heed for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears from truth, turn to fables, be watchful. In all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Now, holiness and sanctification is a Bible doctrine. You should hear sermons on it. What that means, you set yourself apart. You do something with your flesh. You do something with yourself. Amen. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to get into my sermon now. 2.8. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Good what? What? Does God require works out of you? He absolutely does. Now, he didn't say you're saved by works. He's just requiring works out of you because you are saved. There is something you're supposed to be doing. Now, I'm going to read from the book of um, Titus. uh, And we're going to start talking about what you're doing with your life. What are you doing with what Jesus gave you because one day you're going to have to give an account of what he did he saved you he's got an investment in you he fills you with the Holy Ghost he taught you the Word of God and he's going to come back and look for a return he wants to see what you did with what he did for you is that fair it absolutely is fair all right Titus 1.16, you can put them on the screen. If not, just follow me. It says, they profess to know God, but in works, they deny him being abominable, disobedient, disqualified for every good work. Now, I'm going to say something here now, and I want y'all to think seriously about what I'm fixing to say. The problem we're having in the United States of America is that we have placed Family and job above everything. Predominant Christians, you wouldn't miss work or school or a family event if hell froze over. (laughs) And church is not high on your priority list. Not everybody. But the average Christian in America does not place the priority on the things of God. If I owned a business, and and, and we're going to get into talking about business in a minute... You know, when someone hires you, they expect you to show up. And they expect you to do, give them an eight hours. They're going to pay you. They want to work. How many of you own your own business and you understand that? Listen, I've worked for other people, and we'll get into that in a minute. But if that guy gave you a job, go to work and and, and make him proud that he hired you. All right. Then why is it that we don't treat church like that. Can I ask y'all a question? If you signed up for work in the nursery, why do you think it's okay to call Sunday morning and say, I won't be there because your aunt came to town? You don't do that at work. It's because the things of God don't mean much. It should be the most important thing you do all week. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? Jesus never said anything, I will build the United States government. We built the government. He didn't. He didn't build the university you're going to. He didn't build the college your kid goes to. He built a church. And he thinks it should be number one. It is to him. It should be to you. Now, you understand why America's in a mess? Number one, the preachers stop preaching truth. They stop saying, they stop preaching what's required out of a Christian or even telling Christians there's anything required out of them at all. Oh, don't you put me under no legalism. I had a man made a statement one time. and says, it doesn't matter what you do. If you sin, it's already under the blood. I said, I'm glad you told me that because I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Now don't you worry about it because it's already under the blood. I'm not even going to ask. I mean, why not? How, how stupid can you get and suck air? Yeah. <laughs> On the way to church this morning, I had a guy take me off. It's all right, I shot him. Oh. Open your Bibles. You wouldn't put up with that. When did that become okay? Well, thou shalt not murder, right? Yeah. Thou shalt not lie? Yeah. Thou shalt not forsake the assembly of yourself. Oh, well, now, Pastor. <laughs> It's quiet in this Baptist, Pascopalian, Lutheran church. I say that because that's what y'all are. You came out of every denomination on the planet. Amen. All right. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. What does it teach you? What's grace teach you? Live like hell. Do what you want to. No, it does not. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, denying ungodliness, worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for what? Good works. The earmark of a Christian should be works. There should be something. So God is, He's raised you up to do something for the kingdom that only you can do. Your job is a way to make money while you're doing what God told you to do. Are you understanding that? It's not the primary, it's the secondary. Your family situation is so you have companionship and raise up children to obey God and to fulfill the destiny God's placed on their life. That's what the family is. Amen. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. Let me read another one Titus um, chapter 3, verse 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm to you that those who believed. Uh, constantly that those who believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. Verse 14, and let our people also learn to maintain good works. Go to Jude chapter 1. Turn the page, about three or four or five pages. Go to the book of Jude chapter 1. I'm just going to keep reading. I can see you all are quiet. You're either thinking or you're asleep. Jude chapter 1 verse 1. These are people, I put the word people, there are spots in your love feast while they feast with you without fear, serving only their self. That's why they come to church. What can this church do for me? They are clouds without water. That means you're looking for rain. Clouds come, no rain. Next day, clouds come, no rain. Next day, clouds come, no rain. This person comes to church, does nothing. This person comes to church, does nothing. Next person comes to church, does nothing. That's what he's talking about. People who come to church and do nothing. Let me, let me pop your bubble. We didn't build this church so you'd have a place to sit. Right. That's right. You're right. This church is here so you have a place to serve God. So now listen to me. How long have I been here, Sandy? 30 years? When I first came to this church, it was a screwed up mess. More screwed up than it is today by 10. Do you know how screwed up it was? It was so screwed up they needed me. Well, we did. And I'm going to tell you all a little secret. If you've walked in this church and you've noticed a problem, you are correct. That's proof we need you. All right, let me give you a call. Walk in the children's church. If you don't like it, go to work. If you walk in the nursery and you think that that is, this is a terrible, well, go to work. If you think that the ushers in this church are the worst ushers you've ever seen in your life, go to work. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? This is a place for you to serve the Lord. It's a place, this is your church, you're building it. If you don't like it, well, then fix it. If you don't like the coffee, go to the work in the coffee shop. I wish some of you to go to work in a coffee shop. I love good lattes. I paid a lot of money with that machine. I want some good latte anyway. Winter's coming. Are y'all getting a little bit of an idea of what I'm talking about here? This church was put here for you to serve God in. And by serving God, you're going to serve people. And there's something you're supposed to be doing. If you're not, you might need to do a little praying. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. It says, these serving only themselves, they're clouds without water, carried about late autumn trees without fruit. Now, I'm going to mention some person. Don't try to figure out who they are. It doesn't matter. It's been a while since they've been in this church. We had a lady came to this church several years ago, never went through membership class, so we know nothing about her. Don't have any phone numbers on her. As a matter of fact, later I found out that Jean had a phone number on her when she filled it out. The one day she came in, you know, my name is, is, is so-and-so-and-so-and-so, and this is my house number. Well, one day she went in the hospital. After about two weeks, I kept asking, where is so-and-so? Nobody knew. We called her phone. No answer. She's not there. She's in the hospital. We don't know she's in the hospital. She never told me about she's in the hospital. So... We have no cell on her. We have no relatives. She didn't bother to go through membership class. So, so we, don't, we don't know anything. So after about three weeks, I, I, I walked back in the office and I said, anybody heard anything? Jean looks at me and says, the, the nurse called and said that she needs prayer. Turn it over to Shirley. And I said, well, do you have the nurse's name? No. Have number, No. So another week later, she calls back up. She's mad. I've been in the hospital three weeks and nobody in this church cares. Now, let me help you with something. If she had gotten involved in the church, other people might actually know who she was. But she never lifted a finger and did anything. She's a little prima donna that wants everybody to serve her. Now, I'm picking on her because she's gone, but I'm really picking on you because you're here. You know, if nobody knows you, why don't you go to work so everybody will get to know who you are? Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. This is a good message, isn't it? Yes, it is. This is a family. Yes, we ought to know everything in your life. Good, bad, and ugly. We love you anyway. We know Tiffany. We still love her. Yes, now, I pick it on her, but let me tell you something. That's a working woman. Yes, sir. That Every minister's meeting, she, she dives in both feet and does 110% everything she puts her hand to. So you can't, I've actually had pastors come and want to know your name, and I said, it's none of your business. <laughs> There's some good people in this church. Amen. Twice without fruit, twice dead, and pulled up by the roots. Now, I'm not going to do it now, but I actually want to do a Sunday morning sermon on eternal security. You know, when you come out of a church that says tongues is of the devil, and they're wrong, God don't heal anymore, they're wrong. Maybe eternal security is wrong, too. It is wrong. There's no such thing as eternal security. God will never leave you, but he never said you wouldn't leave him. Yes. The, the reason the devil tempts you is to pull you away from God. You ever been tempted before? Yes. Or am I the only one? We ain't gotten into that yet, but we will. Are you all okay? I'm not going to tell you what Sunday, because I don't want you all to, that's the day you go to Disney. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Let's go to Revelation chapter 2. Did you know that in the book of Revelation is the only place we have in the Bible where Jesus is addressing the church? What a statement. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he's not addressing the church. There isn't one. It's the only book in the Bible where the head of the church is addressing the church. What was the number one theme of him talking to the churches? What is the number one theme he brought up more than anything else? work. It's amazing that he doesn't have enough sense to know that that's not doctrinally correct. <laughs> or is it? Apparently he doesn't understand grace. Oh, y'all come on over here. I'm going to have you thought about that before? Because every church he talks to the first thing he says is, I've been noticing what you do and don't do. Let's start. Chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the middle of the churches. I know your what? Your works. He knows everything you do and everything you don't do. And he's already rated this church. As a matter of fact, I know why he's, how he's rating it right now. Because he's been talking to the pastor about it. And he said to him, I want you to preach on works. I'm talking about myself. I know some of y'all are going, who would that be? All right. Verse 5. No, verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You left your first love. What is first love? Remember where you have fallen, repent and do the first what? Works. In other words, there was something you used to do that you don't do it anymore. And he's calling the church back to doing what they used to do when they first got saved. And we're the ones that have gotten lax and said, well, I'm a Christian, I love the Lord, and I walk into church. But the fire's gone. He's not number one anymore. Your job's number one. Your family's number one. Jesus is not number one. And he's calling the church. Right now, America's in a mess, but he's not dealing with the Democrats and Republicans yet. He's dealing with you and I. He's—he's. He's, I pray he starts dealing with the pastors in this nation first. That the pastors in this nation would come back to God and start preaching the whole counsel of God. And then the church can repent. And then we can have a move of God in this nation. Because God can save with many or he can save with few. But he will turn America back if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray... I will come and I will heal their land. But he's not going to heal their land if we're not doing what he told us to do. I didn't say you were wicked and moral and 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 you know the 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 hatchet butcher. I'm just talking about being lazy. And I'm gonna tell you something right now, I'm getting ahead of myself. God hates lazy, he hates it. How many of y'all own your own business? How many, I want to see how many businessmen in here. One, two, three, four. All right, I call half the people in here, own your own business, Jesus name. How many of y'all, it, you just can't stomach a person coming to work late, leave early and give, you a, and give you sloppy work all day. How many of you, you own business and you're like, God, I can't wait to lie. Fucking fire. And, you, and I know because you're a Christian, you're so gracious, you put up with them. Come on, y'all know that. You put up with them and you put up with them and, you're, and you go home and you talk. Oh, we just need to, we just, oh God, just fire them. Am I right? Am I right? All right. God hates lazy. He hates lazy. Come on. We'll get into that a little more in a minute. I'm behind a pulpit. I, don't, I can duck. <laughs> Revelation chapter 3. To the angel of the church of Sardis. These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know you're what? He, what is wrong with him? Every church he keeps talking about what they're doing. That you have a name, that you're alive, you run aisles, you jump pews, you got smoke, you got lights. But my God, you are dead. I wonder what he thinks about church in America today. I mean, help me, Jesus. Listen to me. Oh, y'all, I'm going to get on something right now. I I, I talk to younger preachers now, and I talk about the people in their church. And, And Justin and I were talking one day about a church he went down to. And I mean, it's a mega church, a big church. It's a nice church. I mean, and the preacher preaching, Justin said, I don't know what he said. Anyway, he said, now listen, listen. When they leave church, they head to the bar. They don't. They don't have. They listen. They sleep around. They they lie. They chew. They and they all work in the church. And their faith. They come to church. What do you think God thinks of that church? Not. I'm gonna tell you something right now. He don't think much of that church or that pastor. Yeah. You go to a church like that and you're comfortable in it, living like the devil. No, something wrong. Something's wrong. If you're a parent, I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. Your child is not your friend. They're in your house to learn obedience. So they'll make it when they get married because the new wife and the new husband does not want to train them. If there is selfishness, when you get married, you will head to the divorce court. So the number one issue with people is to get over your flesh and get over being selfish. If you're married and you're a man, get a job and go to work. And when you don't feel like it, go to work anyway. I was working with Weber and Tucker and I, and I was pushing a wheelbarrow up into a dumpster one day and, and, and the wheelbarrow fell off and hit me in the ribs and broke my ribs. You know where I was the next morning? Work. I wrapped up my, 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 my rib cage. Lisa grabbed me and prayed. I will never have her pray over my broken ribs again. I mean, she reached over and grabbed me and, and starts. I mean, she laid hands on me suddenly and I went, oh, and, she's, and she says, now you're, believe you're healed and go to work. You know, I ought to stay on this for about a month, but I don't have time. I, I, like, I think I'm going to take all these young boys off one day and teach them how to be a man. Be, you, you say, I the man, I the man. Yeah, we believe you the man. Now you had those kids, now you raise them and you be there for that woman and you be there for that, those kids, hell or high water, you be there. And if she's ugly, you be there anyway. Every time something happens, you run out the door and go home to your mama. You ladies, listen to me. You have a problem with your husband, leave your mama out of it. Your mama thinks you you to... baby. He'd treat you bad. Shut up. You leave your mom alone. You married him, go home and work it out. And I'll tell you something, you sweet darling little girl, you ain't perfect either. Your daddy raised you with a silver spoon and now you have a good little tough. Tough is good for you. Quit giving your kids everything. Let them get out and get a job and find out what it takes to make a living. Yeah. Pay for their schooling and pay for everything and pay for everything. They're 30 years old and they never had a job a day in their life. And then they're gonna go out and start a business. You couldn't start a business. You don't, you ain't never even pushed a broom. Oh How did I get off on all this? I don't know. Somebody might have needed it. Am I right? Oh, yeah. I think sometimes, well, I just line all the teenagers up and just spank them. What for? Well, they probably did something wrong. Just spank them anyway. Just, no, I'm teasing. I'm messing. I shouldn't. My dad gave me a spanking one time and I said, Dad, I didn't do it wrong. He said, well, you probably did something I didn't know about. <laughs> Sad thing is, it's true. I did a lot of stuff he didn't know about. He said, you probably deserved that. I just didn't know about it. Just chalk it up for the time I didn't see (laughs) you. Look at verse three, chapter three, verse three. Remember from where you have heard, how much you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Repent therefore, I if you will not watch, I'm going to come on you like a thief, and you're not going to know the hour I come on you. You have a few names in Sardis who have not defiled your garments, and you will walk with me in white, for you're worthy. But he who overcomes will be clothed in white garments, and I'll not blot your name out of the book of life. What's oh, that's heavy. That'll get rid of the lax. That'll take the slack out of your rope. Do you need church? You better believe you need church. Do you need each other? You better believe you need each other. Y'all ready? Go to Matthew 25. Now the begin- my sermon begins now. I preached all of that just to get to this scripture. Say hallelujah anyway. Hallelujah. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something here I want you to listen to. I love sermons like this for myself. I don't necessarily like preaching them and I'll tell you why I don't. I'm so passionate that I'm afraid you think I'm mad. I'm not mad, but I am very passionate. I am very passionate about life. And I'm tough with me more than I am you. And sometimes I might get too tough with you. Just hang tight. I'll be nice to you next week. If not, give me a month or two. All right. Matthew chapter 25. I said that to say this. I've had times since I got born again that God's gotten known to me. I love it. I would not have it any other way. He has been the best dad I have ever had. And I thank God he loves me enough not to let me keep doing something stupid. Do you all see that? And a, a good pastor, a good parent will do the same. A good pastor does the same thing. I want you to know that. So this is corrective in nature, but listen, you need to go, thank you, Jesus. What happens is you start feeling clean. Yes. You do. You, get, you go, I feel so clean. Man, I, that was tough. but I feel clean. Chapter Matthew 25, verse 14. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. This would be Jesus, who called his servants and delivered his goods to them. This is the only parable in the Bible where Jesus uses the business model to talk about the kingdom. Other times he's talking about uh, farmers or fruit. But this is the only place that he uses a business model to talk to businessmen so they'll understand the kingdom. I think it's apropos for America. We're very business minded in this nation. Very financial minded. So when he says the word talent, I want you to know that the talent is a year's wages. I have just kind of made a statement because the average year's wage in America is around $50,000. Now, if you don't measure up to that, don't get mad at me. I had to have something to measure, but you figure it out. But I want to read it that way, and you'll see in a minute why I say that. To one, he gave five talents. That would be a quarter of a million dollars. What is he giving him that money for? To start a business. Let me stop right now. I want you to think about this. He is giving him money to start a business. When Kevin Anderson was here, I said, would quarter of a million start a Starbucks? He said, no. Couldn't start a, you can't start even a small business in America for a quarter of a million. But, but in other words, he says here, you were faithful over a few things. God takes very serious what he gave you. What he's done in you, when he returns, he is going to look for an increase in what he gave you. I want you to get that planted in your soul right now. That's extremely important. So he's using this business account of a man he gave a quarter of a million dollars for to begin a business so that that business would make money. Is that why you start a business is to make money? Yes. All right. The next guy, it says to another two and another one, each according to his own ability 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 and he went on a journey and when he had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents so he gave him a quarter of a million dollars and when he came back he had a half a million in the bank. Yeah. Was that a good investment? Absolutely. Yes it was. I've made investments that made me money. Yeah. I've made investments that didn't make anything. Matter of fact they went the other direction. You know what? Sometimes you put $1,000 in something and sometimes you put 100000 in something based on whether you think it's going to re- give you a return. And I hate it when I put money in something and it goes under. I, I hate losing money. Yeah. Now, I'm going to tell you something. God don't like losing money either. Yeah. I'm coming. All right just wanted you to know, I have one person over there that's that's enjoying my sermon. <laughs> Likewise, he who had received two, probably around $100,000, came back and he had $200,000. But he received one, went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts. I want you to pop up Romans 14 on the screen, 1410. Don't turn over there, just pop it on the screen. I want to read it to you. Why do you judge your brother, and why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So each one of us will give an account of yourself to God. Yeah. We're all going to stand there, and He's going to say, Now, what'd you do? What'd you do with your church? How, what'd you do with your wife? How'd you, how'd you treat your husband? Where are your children? Yeah. That's powerful. I gave you the new birth. What would you do with it? Now, the third one, don't, don't worry because he goes to hell. But I'm going to tell you why he goes. Because he, he heard the gospel and never even used it to change just himself. If you hear the gospel, the least you should do is, is get you right. Maybe you don't go to Africa. Maybe you don't work in children's church. But at the very minimum, get yourself straight. Amen? That's not a lot, but it sure beats going to hell. Right? All right. All right. Let's finish. Verse 21. And the Lord said, well done, good, and what? faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things, enter into the joy of the Lord. All right, now I'm going to stop right here and tell you a story and everybody wake up. Wake up because I'm going to tell this story and you're going to pay attention. When I got born again, I did not have a good work ethic. Matter of fact, my brother-in-law Johnny Hammond got me a job at, at Western Electric and I actually got dismissed for my work ethics. And I know y'all don't believe that. Well, right after I got born again, God got me a job at Certainty. Now, listen to me. He didn't, he didn't ask me whether I liked that job because I didn't. As a matter of fact, sometimes he will put you in places you don't like because you need to grow up. So he put me at Certainty, the fiberglass plant. The first day at work, I was on the second shift and I clocked in at four o'clock. I remembered it was four o'clock because when I walked up, it had a card with my name on it. I punched in and it said four zero zero. And my boss was standing there and looked at me and said, Morgan, you're late. And I got in an argument with him. First day of work. Say stupid. I call you stupid. You can call me stupid if you want to. He said, you're late. I want you to clock in and be on that bagger at four. And I said, I'm on time. He said, you're fixing to get fired. I hadn't been here 30 seconds. God just got me this job, but I'm already starting to run into bad attitudes in who me, and I walked away. And the Lord said, "You are late." From the, I mean, he. I don't know whether he talks to you like this or not, but he talks to me sometimes like I don't have any sense. Okay, and I'm so I so I'm standing there, and he said, "You're late." From this day forward, you work for me. I got you this job. You asked me to get you a job. You asked me to get you out of debt. You will be here 15 minutes early. You will work 15 minutes after. And not only that, you will keep your mouth shut. I'm going, well, I love you too. Kumbaya. Help me. Thank you, Jesus. From that day forward... I changed. I was never late to work again, and I never left until I was finished with my job. And I and if he gave me eight hours, I gave him eight and a half. And I went to work on the bagger, and they put me on a roll-up machine. And the and and the and the, and, and I ran the job so well, they put me in out on on trucks. When I walked out to load trucks, my boss, his name was Buck Georgia. He said, Morgan, you load three and a half trucks a day or we're going to run you out of here. Now, they're mad because it's the big dogs that are moving me up. And they don't know why. It's because I'm working. And the Lord said, four. I said, four. He said, I want you to walk out of a truck full every two hours. And I did. I loaded four trucks a day. Every time I showed up at work, Mike Nacera, the plant manager, came out one day and invited me to his office for lunch. Why? Because I'm working. That's not something that, and all of it was because Jesus scared the (laughs) heebie-jeebies out of me. What I learned was a new word called faithful. He came in, and and he's the one that said, why do you work so hard? He said, we are looking for someone in this plant to put them over the maintenance tool crib. There's two issues we have to address, seniority and knowledge. You have neither. But we're going to give you the job if you want it. I said, I'll take it. He said, come in at night. We're going to train you. And the one who makes the highest score on the test gets the job. That's called favor from God. I passed the test, made a aced it. I, they taught me what a, the difference between a drill bit and a drill motor. They taught me how to find a tap and die set and what they're used for. They taught me about commodity numbers and how to, how to read a commodity sheet and find out which bearings were 316s, which ones were half inch. I knew all about the tool crib whenever the day came to take the test. And I passed it and I got one of the best jobs in the plant because I was faithful. When I left I had three men working under me, three shifts, and I put the whole tool crib under the Georgia Pacific numbering system. And I walked into Mike Nasera's office and I said, I'm leaving. And he cried like a baby. I found out they were grooming me to manage the plant. Why? Because of work ethics. I learned to be faithful. Now, I took that with me when I went to Rhema. I took that same philosophy to be faithful at Rhema. And I took it to work with me. And I've gotten raises everywhere I've ever been. When I left Tulsa, everybody I work with was was either born again or knew about Jesus. I came here. I God asked me to leave that. I worked for the second largest apartment complex builder west of the Mississippi River. I'm climbing up and taking it, and about to step into a very big position. And the Lord brought me here to be a youth pastor. I started off with ten kids and ended up with forty. Why? Faithful. I went to work with Weber and Tucker. And we would sit around on concrete blocks in the afternoon and eat lunch. And every day, whether I was a life group leader or not, I talked to everybody I've ever worked with and, and t- about Jesus. I've never sat and waited on somebody to give me a place to preach. That's why I'm here. Because God does not promote lazy people. We need to just sit and let that soak a few minutes. We have people here all the time saying, "Pastor, I want to go to work in the church." No, you don't. You haven't even talked to anybody you work with yet. That was hard. I mean, you you work at a job, and everybody around you is going to hell. Are y'all out there? Or you go home. Your own kids. Are you praying for your own family? I'm gonna go back on myself tell on myself about two or three weeks ago the Lord spoke to me he says I want you to start praying over your family your, your kids your grandkids by name every day see I pray for them but sporadically but he said make a list and get diligent about it they need you to pray and I walked in there and I told Lisa, I said, the Lord just got on to me and I got to make an adjustment and I would appreciate your help. So there's times that I walk in there and I say, i am about to pray over the family. Would you help me? And we'll sit in the living room and we'll just go down the list. I mean, my brother... My, my older brother Ronnie, his wife Judy, and their daughters, and then Robin and Johnny and Dawn and Jason, and then we go to Nancy and Mark and, and, and Daniel and Brooke, and then, and then when we get finished with that, we go to Che and Steve and, and Cody and, and Tyler, and we just go down the list. Sometimes we spend 10, on, 10 minutes on one and two minutes on the other as the Lord leads, but he got on to me and said, I need you to start doing this. See, I told you, I'm not giving you something hard to do, but it's amazing how much we know. There's people around you; they need prayer. Yes. Are y'all okay? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, that's one of the things he told me to change. Now, I want you to. I want to. I want to finish reading this. He received two talents, came and says, Lord, I delivered two talents, you gained two. And he says, Good and faithful servant, you've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Listen, we're going to stand before God one day and he's going to hand out assignments in the millennial reign. Where are you going to be? That's a big question. Amen. He received one talent, says, Lord, I know you to be a hard man. You reap where you have not sown, gather where you have not scattered. I was afraid. I went and took your talent and hid it in the ground. And look where you is, what is yours. And the Lord answered and said, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have at least deposited my money with a banker and my, at my coming to receive my own with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. And everyone who has more will be, more will be given. And, and from him who uh, does not, it will be taken from me. And you cast that unprofitable servant in the outer darkness, they'll be weeping and gnashing the teeth. Now, a power boy, that's that's heavy. Now, I was reading Rick Renner's book the other day, and he made a statement about the weeping and gnashing of teeth. In the days that Jesus lived in, they had big walls around the city to keep the lions and the wild animals out. And the people would climb up on top of the walls and throw their garbage over the edge. And they had one wall where everybody threw all their garbage. At night, the lions would come and roam through the garbage. When they would have a person that was charged with a crime, in order to find out whether they were guilty or not, they'd tie a rope around them and hang them over the wall uh, in, the, in the garbage dump. It was so black they could hear the lions around them. If the lion ate you, you were guilty. But if it didn't, you were innocent. But they said that the people, when they brought them back up, were usually insane and they would grind their teeth all night out of fear. Just, sit, just grinders just sitting in a garbage dump with lions around them all night long. And it would scare them. And Jesus used this, this dump as what it's like to die and go to hell. Well, you're around demons forever. We, and listen, we need to do another sermon on hell. That ought to scare the hell out of you. Everybody talking about where the hell are you going? What the hell are you doing? I don't know. What the hell? What's in any of your business? And we, and we throw the word around like it's, listen, listen to me. Eighty percent of the people you know are going. That's major. That's not a little. And you know how to pray. Are you responsible? Yeah, you are? Yeah, we're responsible for this church. You listen, I'm gonna say something right now, and, and you're not gonna like it. You are responsible for the people who get saved in this church. You are. You lazy thing. You're responsible for him. I don't have time. You're still responsible. He's not going to keep, he's not sending the move of God to a church if, if the people get born again and you don't do anything with them. You keep having babies and they keep dying because you don't take care of them. He's not going to send any more babies to you. We want to have a move of God in this church. No, you don't because you got to go to work. Boy, thank y'all for y'all's enthusiasm. Folks, this is a little strong, and I know. But see, America's praying for a remove of God. You can't even move you. You can't even find your own Bible. That's why I'm preaching it. Are y'all ready to make some adjustments? I know I am. I don't want to stand before him and and and, and give an account and go, what'd you do with that church? You didn't do anything with that church. That church just kind of plopped along all this time. You just never... I said, sir, no more. He, he began to deal with me strong about, I want you to start preaching this stuff. Bring this church back. I am... We're going to see a move of God in this church. You understand that? We're going to see it. With you or without you, we're going to see a move of God in this church. We're going to see some people doing things for God. Get your fire back. Get your love for God back. Amen. All right. James chapter four, and we'll close with this. Y'all made it all the way to the end. And I'm glad that I'm about to shut up because I'm getting hungry. How many of y'all understand this? How many of y'all appreciate this? I love the word of God. I love it. Now, I'm going to tell y'all something that I do for me. I have several preachers I love to listen to. I love Mark Hankins. I love Kenneth Hagin. And I love Rick Renner. Rick Renner always talks about straighten up. I love it. I have found by reading his devotional, it keeps me clean. When you read about unfaithful, you go... Ah, I don't like that scripture. (laughs) No, but I do. Do y'all enjoy that? Do you like when you're reading something, you're going, oh, man, I got to make an adjustment there. I got to make an adjustment. I love that. James chapter 4, verse 6. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. If you're not going to do what he says, he's going to stiff arm you. You know what I mean by that? He's not answering your prayers until you change. Let you me to say it again. You're not, you can bind the devil all you want to, but it ain't the devil always. It might be God. Now I'm going to tell you how I know that. Watching Lisa. No, I'm teasing. I knew y'all. Now I'm, a, I'm just going to use me as an example. I haven't always done exactly what he wanted me to do when he wanted me to do it. I haven't always wanted to pay the price, but you'll pay it, one way or the other. And I've been on his not good list. I told you the story one time about me working construction and when you want me to do. I mean, I listen. I hated waking up. I hated going to bed. I prayed every every day. Read my Bible every day and went to church every Sunday. And I was miserable. I wasn't doing what he was telling me to do. I didn't want to pay the price until I knuckled down and said, yes, sir. Now I'm glad I did. Amen. But I'll tell you, I, I, I struggle with him. I struggle with the will of God. Uh, There's scriptures in here I read now and go, okay, breathe, Daryl. God resists the proud, he gives grace to the humble. Submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. But you gotta resist, you gotta submit to God first. He said, I bound the devil, nothing happened. Well, we go back and read the rest of the scripture. You draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hand. He's talking to Christians here. You sinners, purify your heart, double-minded. Lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he'll lift you up. Amen. You don't have a problem he can't fix. Yeah. But very often, he's waiting on you and I to make the adjustments. Yes. So I'm going to close with this. It's, we got exactly one minute till noon. Don't expect that every Sunday. While I'm preaching, can can we begin by being honest? I don't want you to. How many of you in here go? I can tell you right now there's some areas of my life I need to make some adjustments. I'm telling you that the number one he started dealing with me about, and I told you this, was my prayer life for my family. How major is it? The people you work with, that you get them on a prayer list and say, Heavenly Father, I work with these people, and I'm going to start praying for their salvation. I'm going to pray for their life. I'm going to pray for their families. There may be no one in their life praying. But yet, to him who knows to do right and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. So I had to repent. Father, I have not prayed for people like I should. And I changed. That's just one area. There's several other areas. I'm not going to tell you about them this morning. I may later. God's waiting on you and I to make adjustments. How about we cooperate? Are you all good with this? I don't want to live and die and find out that I didn't do. I know I'm saved. I I, I don't want to live and die and find out that there was so much more. The Lord asked me a question one time, and this is a tu- this is a very very hard, very hard question. Are you going to be okay in heaven if your family isn't there? I said, "No, sir." He said, "Change." That's heavy statement. I'm looking forward to going to heaven, but I get up there and I got family members that are not there. They went to hell and I didn't do anything about it. I didn't pray. You see, when he corrects you, you just sit there and say, yes, sir. You set aside a time during the day and start praying. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray over your family. There's more to this than what I'm sharing with you right now. Is this fair enough place to begin? I want to see A lot more of God. America is at a a crossroads. The days ahead are going to be hell on earth in this nation. And we are not ready. We are not ready for what's coming. We're we're barely doing good now. How about we get ourselves spiritually fit? Are you all ready for that? Father God, I, I took a message you gave me, and I say this in front of you in this church with all of my heart. I preached a message on the fact that there's things we need to be doing as a church and individuals that we're not. We've been, we've been taught more than we're doing. We've been entrusted with gifts the new birth of being filled with the Holy Ghost, a church, family, ministers on television? Have we been taking advantage? Are, are we using them to the, to the most of our ability? Are we, sir? If we're sitting here today, Father God, and we're not, I'm asking you to begin to move on our hearts. You said to me that this would take time. And then you said to me, Be patient with people. And I will be patient with this church. I ask you to be patient with me. But Father, there's changes. And right now, if I sit in here, all over this room, there's people that need to make adjustments in what they're doing. And I'm going to ask you to have grace and mercy. And as they make the adjustments, Father God, wash them in the blood and lift them up. I pray, Father God, that every one of us in the sound of my voice would hear the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. And I give you thanks for that, sir, Jesus. I guess it stands to reason that, um, hey, I love you guys. Uh, I, I have a tough time with sermons like this. Because I know you go home and go, woo. so much so much God wants to do he's waiting on you is that fair yeah. God you. thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan we hope it blesses you if you would like more info on Word of Life sermons and free downloads please go to wordoflifeapopka.com thank you and have a blessed day